Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and so much more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And today, today, we are diving into the long-awaited Diamonds and Pearls era. We are? We are. We oh, have yes. been waiting for this for so long. We bid farewell to For You That's after... Right. Many more episodes than I thought mm-hmm. we were going to produce yeah. in that era. And much more music that I loved than I thought. Uh-huh. And yes. in the back of my mind that whole time, we knew that Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe Edition was coming. That's and right. And I sort of was like, you know, looking past for you again. It's like the, was the, been the red-headed stepchild of Prince albums for so long. <laughs> That's right. But and- as a final bow on that package... I'll go back and listen to For You a lot. And you know what else we're going to be listening to a lot? Diamonds and Pearls, would you say? Mm -hmm. It's been rumored for a long time. There was a Super Deluxe coming out. We were disappointed that it didn't come out last year. And now here it is. It's glorious, huge, enormous. But we're not starting with the album. Why do that? (laughs) So first of all, we were busy with our For You coverage. That's right. We decided not to. Diamonds and Pearls was announced. uh, The Super Deluxe was announced in the, whatever, summer of, late summer, right, of Mm. here in 2023. And we thought, you know, we're just going to push on minding our own business. Mm -hmm. And when we get to it, we get to it. That's the great thing about music. It'll be there for you. That's right. Well, you know, if the uh, estate had, like, wanted to work with us and said, (laughs) hey, will you coincide your coverage to start when the album comes out we might have considered that might have truncated our for you coverage a little bit i'm kind of glad they didn't i think it's a shame that they're not utilizing podcasts to promote things when we make these for free they get to do what they like that's That's all fine you either accept it or you move on they did they did make their own podcast that's very good you should listen to it the official diamonds and pearls podcast which is um, I would say almost a too short, definitely a too short four episode series, mm-hmm. uh, but excellent as usual. No complaints there. But for us, I thought we can't. This is out of our control. It will never be in our control. That's right. That's okay. We what can be was in our can, control was how long we were going to talk about for you. Yeah, and I'm not too sure the Prince Estate would like what we're doing with for you all that much either. So that's all okay. You know what? We can be like. The United States and Canada. We share a border (laughs) and we say friendly things and some of us eat a lot of butter and others don't. (laughs) Great. (laughs) But I thought... Who eats a lot of butter? Canadians eat a lot of butter. Do they eat a lot of butter? Well, they eat a lot of like blandish food. At least my experience living close to Canada. My Uh father was Canadian before you at me. (laughs) Yes, I have some knowledge. Uh, Visited Canada over Thanksgiving one year, actually, which we're approaching oh. here in 2023. Uh-huh. And ate at McDonald's for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And ate at some other restaurants in Canada uh-huh. and Quebec. Yeah, because, of course, they weren't celebrating Thanksgiving. They're, no, they don't really make a big deal of that. Not not of the U.S. Thanksgiving. They have their own in <laughs> they October. Do, they do their own thing. <laughs> exactly. Thus, my comparison to us and the estate. Like, uh-huh. we're celebrating Thanksgiving. The estate is doing whatever they want. That's okay, right. fine. Anyway, the food wasn't great, is all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, great. As far as diamonds and pearls go, yeah. however, uh-huh. I did not have in my, note, in my notes here, cover Canadian food. 
touch on this. There are things that happen. We're recording on a different day at a different time than we normally do. So we might be a little punchy tonight. Don't destroy the magic of editing. No, whatever. You just said we're coming up on Thanksgiving. And by the time this comes out, that'll be like four days ago. So we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If <laughs> it was you celebrate. Oh, I'm still full from this turkey and stuffing. Yeah. When it comes to diamonds and pearls, Christy, here yes. is my thinking of how are we going to cover this? We right. just cover it in order that the estate released it in the pretty spectacular diamonds and pearls super deluxe CD set that we purchased. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, anybody can do that. It's already been done. By the time you've heard this, you've read reviews. You've probably, I hope, purchased it, or you're at least Listen streaming it, it listening to it. So there's no point in us covering it that way. So. My grand thought was, I want to relive it the way that I actually lived it. This is one of the first like major Prince releases that I like could drive, and I had a job, had my own money. I could go and buy it. I didn't have to ask, you know, uh-huh. for help. Uh-huh. Can I? Can I have to explain why I need the sixth single from Graffiti Bridge and the maxi <laughs> single for Shake to my parents. Uh-huh. That's right. You could just go get it. You just go do it. Uh-huh. So I was all in and I was super excited because Graffiti Bridge was sort of like a cinematic, I, I think flop is probably a good term for it. It was pretty and the soundtrack was good, but it Mostly. wasn't even like a true Prince record, right? It was a more true soundtrack and probably a better right. way to handle like the Purple Rain soundtrack because it was full of music, but all we got on the soundtrack was Prince and the Revolution. Well, Graffiti Bridge at least mixed it all together mm-hmm. for mostly good, and there were some low parts too, and it was very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like excited to see what's what's next. What does Prince do after you know a movie that didn't meet expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, he needed a hit. Needed a hit, and as you will, or maybe you've already read. In the Diamonds and Pearls book, there is some stories there of Diamonds and Pearls being one of the first like collaborative efforts that he made with Warner Brothers, was open to promoting it, was yeah, open the, to input. The first time he was really like willing to talk with the A&R people about... Yeah, well, how know, do we market this? Yeah, how do we market mm-hmm. this? And what do you think of the album? And is it does it need something? Some of that pissed him off. Yeah, but, it did. But some of it led to great, to great stuff too. Sure. So I just thought... Let's start with the beginning of the Diamonds and Pearls era, which to me starts in around January 1991 with the release of Glam Slam 91, Uh a song that we actually covered. We stretched Graffiti Bridge a little bit and covered this because it has similarities to a song on Graffiti Bridge, which Mm -hmm. we will recover here. So I'm just a teenager living my life with a few dollars in my pocket and, you know, a used car. Uh Uh-huh. And some friends and who were, I mean, I was nowhere connected, but had friends who were connected to people who were connected Mm -hmm. would send me stuff. And I get a cassette in the mail from my buddy. Uh He's like, you need to check this out. Yeah, because you were living in Texas by this time, right? I had just moved to Texas. Uh Yeah, so I was like, didn't have any friends, didn't know anybody. So Uh yeah, I lived and died by this stuff. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I got a cassette in a mail pack, P-A-K. And he had made me a double-sided, like, single cassette with the same song on both sides. Okay. So you just stuck it in the cassette player and played it and then flipped over and played the same song again. Yeah, there's nothing like that in your car when it it would... 
Oh, yeah. Auto reverse. Yeah, as long as you timed it right. So you didn't have a lot of blank space, you know, yeah. at the end of the cassette. So that was the, fr- like, this was the next new thing after Graffiti Bridge, even though it had some Graffiti Bridge elements in it. Mm-hmm. But it was a new, like, vocal delivery by Prince and was like, this was just released to radio stations and, like, a promo thing for this club. And Minneapolis to me was this place that was, I don't know, an unreachable number of miles away i would never get there i would mm-hmm. never see it yeah so to have this arrive and i could just hole up in a bedroom with headphones on and, and listen, listen to, to a copy of a copy of a copy of a radio broadcast recording mm-hmm. of a song i was pretty happy so that's where we're starting so today we'll cover some things leading up to the first single release uh-uh. and we'll stretch that out a couple episodes and sort of Live the Diamonds and Pearls experience that little Joshy lived oh, and cover awesome. it in that way. So Dwayne Tudal talks about, has talked about in a number of interviews he's done about this set that the vault recordings specifically that they try to kind of organize them in chronological order, mm-hmm. which is really nice. But then you also have the B-sides and remixes mixed in there that aren't even all the remixes that were released officially as part of the promotion of the album. So while there is like a chronological baseline or foundation to how the Super Deluxe Edition was released, it certainly doesn't take you in order from here's all the pre-hype about the album Uh and then here's the album, which I think is cool to relive because that's not exactly how you experience records anymore. Super cool. All right, so Glam Slam 91, a slightly shorter version of this, premiered on WLOL Public Radio on January 6, 1991, to promote the opening of the Minneapolis Glam Slam Club. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we covered the circulating version at the time that uh-huh. we talked about Graffiti Bridge a handful or three of episodes ago. Uh, it measured in length at four minutes and 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. Prince Vault discusses the hype mix of Glam Slam 91, uh-huh. which is what is included on Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe Edition at six minutes and 16 seconds. That's what we're listening to here today. So yep. in its original recording, original length, and then also remastered for inclusion here. So it'll never sound better than it does here. Yeah, which it sounds pretty great. It does. Yeah. You'd be forgiven maybe a little if you thought this was a remix at the start of 1988's Glam Slam, because it does start with the lyrics. Glam Slam. Yes, yeah. it's kind of this nasally mm-hmm. two-word chorus thing. Yeah, and something we'd heard before. So you mean, oh, okay, this is Glam Slam. Yeah. No, it's this more is something the, entirely different. It is, but it's like <laughs> it's more of the building blocks of the Prince universe, you know, right. that he'd been rapidly collecting and creating and reusing over the mm-hmm. late 80s into the early 90s. It also is mostly comprised of samples and parts from Love Machine mm-hmm. from Graffiti Bridge, which was first recorded in the summer of 1989. And according mm-hmm. to Prince Vault, also, I believe we talked about this back in the day, that it also uses a sample from Madhouse's 12. Yes. So we'll get into that. Yes. According to Prince Vault, on the record, Prince playing basically everything. Yes. Aside from Candy Dulfer and Eric Leeds on saxophone. That's right. And what Prince Vault posits 
Prosits? Posits, I think that's correct. <laughs> and what, what suggests <laughs> what Prince Vault suggests <laughs> is Javetta Steele. Yeah, yes. As but a they're singer. Unclear. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I also would like to point out on Prince Vault that they have it listed as this song being initially tracked on October 29th. 1991. That was a error. If you go, if you click on that link on uh-huh. Prince Vault, uh-huh. it shows you that, but 1990. Okay. So it's just, so the, it's just the somebody new- mistyped. Yeah. They put in 1991 instead of 1990. I noticed that. I clicked on it. I'm like, it was a mistake. It was a typo. I'm just going to ignore it. Yep. Okay. Forgiven. Forgiven. Hey. We all make mistakes. I've made eight so far in the first, you know, 14 minutes of the podcast. Man, I love that pitched, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Slam, slam. The yes, like the fanfare, ladies and gentlemen. You like that. I Why do you like it so much? I don't much? know. There's just, it's like this, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's just so like. It's like that you've been welcomed into like a prince circus, right? Mm-hmm. Inside the symbol-shaped circus tent. That's right. So it starts with the glam slam chorus and some percussion, some lead-up stuff. And I think that the version that we previously covered starts here at around 44 seconds mm-hmm. with the same mouth-swirling effects as, lo- as a love machine introduction. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then we hear Prince for the first time ever sing not only this kind of like gravelly kind of spoken word thing, mm-hmm. which he had spoken in songs before, but this is like a new level of yeah, bass singing. Everybody grab a body, pump it like you want somebody. Everybody grab a body, pump it like you want somebody. Yes, bass singing. Verges on rap, mm-hmm. which he was, you he know, had been pretty anti, and then changed yeah. his mind, which well, he's entirely. I, I mean, not. He, I don't know anti-rap. I think his point was that there weren't many good ones. <laughs> not that he didn't like rap. I think he didn't like a lot of popular, successful That's rap fair. techniques and songs. Right, but the whole. Everybody, grab a body, pump it like you want somebody. Oh, but he says party. Pump it like you want a party. Pump it like you want a party, yes. Because I made a note of how much I love that he rhymed body and party. They well, don't like rhyme, the, but they don't unless they you're do. from the Midwest. <laughs> and then they did like he had these inflections that made it work. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, you're you are right. I was like, I didn't hear that. Oh yeah, I did. Hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I think when the song starts at a minute eleven seconds, and again, like I knew this was just kind of a well, I didn't know it wasn't going to be an album track. That wasn't clear, but it was like a. There's this circulating track that Prince released. Okay. Uh-huh. So what is it? Why? why? Uh, and what does it signal? But the falsetto delivery of the first verse that starts at a minute and 11 seconds. Uh-huh. 
I loved this so much. I have to say I like it a little less now, but I've also listened to it a hundred million times. But it was so unique back then to have these deep, gravelly, spoken word rap things and then Prince singing in a falsetto. And it's sort of like this New Jack swing thing uh, that Prince hadn't well, done before either. Yep. That is real successful at times. And you get into some vault tracks where it, maybe it gets a little trite and sounds sounds more dated than his 80s music even to me that's fair right before he starts singing there's these rising synths Mm -hmm. and it's just so joyful Mm -hmm. there's it's so much fun and like you said it's this new jack swing sort of situation happening here and it was it's just so much fun All the, and of course, we didn't know this at the time, but the stories that are told now by members of that first incarnation of the new power generation saying how energized Prince was. It was sort of him collecting people that he grew up with Mm -hmm. to be in the band, which the revolution sort of was, but then, you know, had additional members from different places and he was trying to get a racial mix in there. And this was more about redefining the Minneapolis sound with the exception of Rosie. Gaines, mm-hmm. who is uh, Madam not appearing in this song. Right. Yeah. Not part of the permanent new power generation yet, even though right. she did appear on the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah. There are many, many layers of vocals of I can show you how to do it. Uh-huh. And there's a particularly enjoyable Prince in the left channel. Okay. And then right after that, grab a body, let's get to it. There's an equally prominent vocal that's completely different in the right channel. And it just, it makes the sound feel really big. Yeah. That's like, it's almost like he got an Atmos sort of sound out of a regular stereo sort of track Mm. somehow because it just sounds big now of course if you turn your head it doesn't do anything different like what does with atmos but those particular tracks one in the left and one in the right they just sounded like further out okay like if the regular music is at shoulder width those particular vocals were just like Six inches out further. <laughs> Nicely know, described. Fun. My comment here was how he made a two-syllable word out of the word grab. <laughs> grab my body. Let's get to it. And I mean, you can hear him smiling when he delivers the line to like, I want you to touch me. We're going to go dance, uh-huh. grind, whatever you want to say. And this is exactly like a conversation that he is envisioning people would have when they come to his club. Mm -hmm. It's an escape and let's hold hands and go out and be somewhere Uh different from where we spent the last week. Right. After that first chorus at two minutes and 18 seconds, there's this falsetto scream. I won't even try to do it, but it's before he delivers the famous lines now from Mm -hmm. get off as it rolls into that starting at two minutes and 20 seconds with the, well, the curiosity has about what, a female might have in her cup. Oh, yep. Hey, little girlie, what you drinking? Yep, and then he doesn't care. Skip that. Mm-hmm. Hey, 
Hey little girlie, what you drinking? Skip that. I was just thinking you plus me. One of my favorites. Flip your dress down like I was stripping a Peter Pauls. I'm in joy. The pocket Flip your dress down like I was stripping a Peter Pauls. I'm in joy. Let me show you, baby. I'm a talented boy. So even by 1991, Almond Joy was a part of Hershey's. But if you grew up. Oh, yeah. There's advertising working there, right? Yes. From 1970 until the late 1980s, Almond Joy and Mounds had a jingle that everybody knew if you watched TV. Yes. (laughs) If you grew up in that time, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes Sometimes you you don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Uh, it was pretty ubiquitous, especially at Christmas time. I think you saw a lot of advertisements for it in particular. And I did not realize until I started like looking at that. It was Peter Paul's was purchased. Actually, it was purchased by Cadbury first. And then Hershey's bought all the that part of the Cadbury stuff for the US, whatever. I didn't realize how kind of racy. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Could be perceived as. Do not uh, think for a minute that the people on the advertising team didn't know what they were doing there. They they absolutely knew, but me being an elementary schooler in the 80s had no idea. (laughs) Exactly. You just walked around (laughs) do-do-do-it. To the nut yes, song. Ex- <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's, I think, very apt to why maybe Prince chose that particular candy bar to yeah. include here because that was an innuendo that would have been pretty ubiquitous. Everybody knew it, even though it probably hadn't been in an advertisement for at least a couple of years at this point. Yeah, but he had grown up with it and uh-huh. seen it. And this is sort of like, I don't want to say this is Prince's maturation album because he's pretty childish through a lot of, especially <laughs> the outtakes. But he is turning into, you know, he's now 30-year-old dude. And then you start seeing some of these hints of like everyday life coming out of him. Like, oh, Prince knows what a, you know, a 70-cent candy bar <laughs> is. Yeah. You know, or Prince knows Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh huh. They were absolutely 50 cents then, by the way. Okay. What did I say? 70 cents? Two quarters. Two quarters. Did they charge you tax on barely food? Not like that. <laughs> Not in a vending machine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. Not in a vending machine. Very, very true. We mentioned throughout Graffiti Bridge and a lot of our Ingrid Chavez album coverage the Hit It sample. Mm hmm which is all over the place here, too, particularly at 2 minutes and 40 seconds and a couple more times after that. Um, After Prince says, let me show you, baby, I'm a talented boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that also goes against my maturation point, too. He even refers himself. It refers to himself as a boy in this song that we're actually talking about right now. That was common then, to be a little diminutive. Mm -hmm. We were all boys and girls for as long as we were alive. Of course, of course. I love that the one of the funniest bits of Get Off that I love so much is 
in this early incarnation of it. Butterscotch curly hair. Wish you had some drawers on now. Should have known. Butterscotch curly hair. Wish you had some drawers on now. Stone freak to the bone. Referring to pubic hair. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I've always found that highly entertaining. Stone Freak to the Bone was right. something I enjoyed a lot also. Uh-uh. I also wanted to point out that Prince does a lot of flipping and pulling of dresses. Previously, it's flip your dress down like I was stripping a Peter Paul's Almond Joy. Uh-huh. Here it's here in this verse, it's I don't care, that's right, I pulled your dress up. Uh-huh. You ain't got no underwear on. Everybody, I don't care, that's right, I pulled your dress up, you ain't got no underwear on. I should have known. So he's gone like <laughs> atomic wedgie <laughs> to around the high heels. Uh-huh. He's explored. I mean, there are only two directions you can take a dress off. Uh-huh. I guess he's got them both figured out pretty well. <laughs> yes. So we mentioned that Love Machine and Madhouse's 12 are all samples here. But there's also a sample of a sample of a Prince song with the saxophone from the beginning of Release It that you can hear at 3 minutes and 23 seconds. Which I believe was also sampled when used in Release It. Cool. There's a little weird repeat when he says, it's all right, I clike them that way. There's a little, like, kind of weird repeat. Back down, honey, them hips is gone. But that's all I clock them, them that way. Remind me of something James used to say. Did you say clike them? Yeah. You want to say that again? Yeah, no, that's how he says it. I kind of like them. I thought it was gets... I clock them that way. Oh, I've C-L. always heard it. I've always heard it as <sighs> clike them. Like he's saying, I kind of like them that way, and he, and he pushes it all together, and it's I clike them that way. You are welcome to hear this however you like, but I hear. Uh-huh. I clock them that way. That leads to other expressions of clocking the jizz and uh-huh. other clock things later on. God forbid we get a TikTok of a clock sample in one of these songs. <laughs> I think he wore that sample out throughout his career. Yeah, this all takes place. It's all reused and get off with two T's mm-hmm. when they actually arrive back home at Prince's Paisley crib. Mm-hmm. Uh he doesn't serve ribs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Her hips are gone. Uh-huh. So he clank them that way. <laughs> I'm going to let you own that. That's going to be a hill you can defend. <laughs> the whole reminds me of something James used to say thing. Oh, yeah. Love it. Even yes. though... Fast forward a little bit, there is a outtake from Diamonds and Pearls era called Work That Fat. Okay. That I listen to now that's almost like this notion of larger girls. And it was never like a favorite outtake of mine, but it just sits with me like a little, I don't know, a little insulting at this point. Mm-hmm. Somehow here, it's kind of cute. It's endearing. It's one of the few times that Prince doesn't have a perfectly shaped uh-huh. Woman Girl? at his yeah. side. Of course, for a man of his stature, it wouldn't take much more than a 115-pound girl to right. sit on that little man and keep him from moving anyway. <laughs> this is true. The James is a particular person. It's James Brown. Correct. Yeah. And I like him fat. I like him proud. You got to have a mother for me is a reference to mother popcorn. Yeah. Remind me of something James used to say. I like them fat, 
I like them proud. You got to have a mother for me to move your big ass around this way so I can work on that zip up, baby. There's also Got to Have a Mother for Me. Uh-huh. Is it a James Brown song? Oh, okay. That's also part of Mother Popcorn. Correct. I didn't realize there was another. Oh, an individual song called okay. Mother for Me. Okay. Um, I did appreciate a change that would come later from this version. Okay. So in this version, he says, tonight I'm a star and you're the Big Dipper. Baby. Tonight I'm a star and you're the Big Dipper. And he flips it around in the official, more official get off. Yeah. That he's the Big Dipper and she's a star. Tonight you're a star. I get that it was probably or possibly a Baby I'm a Star reference. Maybe. Or I thought like she's, he's basically saying she's larger than him. Uh So for her to be, for him to be a little star and for her to be the whole constellation. uh Also, he fits inside of her. Right. There was some of that going on. Yeah. But you're right. It is swapped up. It's swapped up. And I kind of prefer it. The swapped up way. Okay. You clike it that way? I, I do clike it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the release it opening saxophone sample mm-hmm. is heard again at four minutes and ten seconds. This is almost like the way you describe the, the stereo treatment of Prince's layered vocals here, I think it's easy to overlook that and to kind of get lost in the fact like this isn't even, a lot of this isn't Prince's music or it's sampled from other Prince's music. This is like mm-hmm. a s- sample fest. Yeah. But it does have a lot of craftsmanship and care put into it, even though I don't think he's trying to make another Sign of the Times or... You know, any or Purple Rain, of course, here. This is just meant to be a party hype fun song. Mm-hmm. And then we get a verse that didn't make it into Get Off. I particularly enjoy the I catch you humming along. Hmm. I know you're 43, but that's cool because to me, you look 17. What it used to be. And I catch you humming along. I know you're 43, but it's cool because to me, you look 17. Yeah, I got a lot of nerve. And I'm like, it's so slyly sweet. Like, he's really complimenting her about how young she looks, but it's also sort of uh, like, I've known you forever, and I still see you Mm -hmm. as... Attractive. You know, or as the girl you were now that you're a woman. I still see the girl in you. It seems so like slyly sweet well yeah because you hear like, get off and you're like he disrespects women he just sees them as a hole to stick himself in uh-huh and that's not it at all no it's much more well crafted than like the blatancy of pee control or uh-huh. something like that where in fact he even had to come back and say i would like for you to listen to this don't be a victim of the 30 second bite uh-huh. you know yeah um where he just lets it happen here Yep, and then a full-on love machine vocal sample. Yeah, I got a lot of nerve. I color it green. I wanna put you in my love machine. But first, I wanna scream. First, I wanna scream. Scream about the way you. For sure, some of the saxophone from Twelve, I believe, from four minutes and fifty-eight seconds to five minutes and two seconds, 
It's a four second area here that I think that you can hear part of 12. I never get the seal of approval. Yeah, I know you ain't a tramp. I watch five guys get the faces slapped. I time three more asking you to dance. The rap must have truly been tired and bland. You there is never a time when a casual print saying, Slam it. Slam it. Right at the end. Yeah, is yeah. not going to be something I enjoy because yeah. I. Every time I hear slamming. Yeah. I mean, and awesome. that's even a you got the look callback, yeah. right? It was kind of the first time we heard him use that vernacular in a song. I also wanted to point out five minutes and 52 seconds. There's another little saxophone part there from Madhouse 12. you listen to Madhouse 12 at about 2 minutes and 48 seconds, you can pick out either the sample or the real close similarity of those two songs. I went back after reading that again on Princeville, and I'm like, I never would have heard that had I not read it here, so I need to go hear what other people are hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I heard it. Then we have Get Off, Damn Near 10 Minutes. A song that would get a lot of versions and mixed names many of which were the same just with different names so it's one of the hardest to keep track of songs in prince's catalog i want to say that's fair yeah um there is a story fast forwarding a little bit ahead in the diamonds and pearls super deluxe book about prince's confidant at Warner Brothers uh-huh. and him reaching out to her to get connected to a small independent record manufacturer who could press a short run of DJ club exclusive one-sided records that he wanted to distribute on his birthday uh-huh. all on his own with not uh, unofficially not is- sanctioned by Warner Brothers she was like I didn't do this I'm gonna help you with this and if anybody asks I knew nothing about it yeah exactly I had to say I didn't know it. what no I didn't know anything about this and here we are talking about this on song two after launching a podcast with this is one of the times that he was most collaborative with his record company <laughs> Like the album he isn't even out yet, and he's, he's already like pulling a fast one on him. Fifteen hundred copies of this. He is now to his credit. He wasn't like trying to sell this or like do pull a most beautiful girl in the world and release independent music. It was all sort of to build hype for what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even yes. he didn't know at this point that Get Off would end up on the Diamonds and Pearls album. Right. Uh, it would replace a song on the Diamonds and Pearls album, and the song it replaced would end up as the B-side mm-hmm. to this song. Yes. And Warner Brothers was, when he delivered the album, he was mad because they told him there wasn't a song for quote-unquote black radio. And he pissed off and 48 hours later he basically delivered a version of this yeah yes which reuses a lot of parts of get off g-e-t-o-f-f uh-huh uh which was on the maxi single for new power generation the song not the band yes (laughs) and also reuses a lot of elements from glam slam 91 Uh which was a sample fest of its own so this is almost like a third generation approach to a song which might be again why he 
didn't see it as a record track until maybe uh-huh until they started telling him you don't have anything black enough on your album prints yeah so he's like how is that possible because i'm a black man yeah here you go chose to release it re- release the track as a limited edition single just to djs and radio stations and that's the nine minute and 36 second version that we hear here so this was the second thing that friend of mine uh-huh. summer late summer of 1991 sent to me and said here's something else and i'm like what is this what can you t-? he's like i have no idea i don't know what this is <laughs> like is it a single or it can't be a single it's too dirty and it sort of was and then turned into one um so this was like my and i had already like listened to glam slam 91 wore the cassette tape out uh-huh. played it into the ground and this showed up and it was almost like a progression of the song so just me having my mind blown thinking what am I here like this is like I'm hearing Prince work on music uh-huh. rather than here's an album or here's a single and yeah. none of this was on the radio right. anywhere especially not in Corpus Christi, Texas right you know in Minneapolis it probably got some airplay or and area areas in the Midwest it yeah. may have gotten airplay because Prince handed out some of these records, yeah. but Here it didn't go. make it to Texas. Yeah, but he was like building his own hype machine. He was yep. doing Warner Brothers Job a favor yeah. in many ways. Like I'll create my own hype. I'll work with you. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to like undermine you in a way that's gonna help us both. <laughs> In this weird way, right? Well, because um, he he knew he knew what needed to be done, and he also knew that Warner Brothers was going to be mad that this was out of out of their wheelhouse. So he was just going to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned all of the official remixes of this song. Uh huh. First of all, also wanted to note from Prince Vault, this was the first time that the new power generation got credit on a song. Okay. It was also the first single released on his birthday since Soft and Wet. So oh. there's a little unplanned for you to Diamonds and, and Pearls, Pearls connection. Very cool. Since we masterfully calendared this out to plan here. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to, I just want to read the released versions of this song. There's the album version, the edit single remix, single remix. That's separate. That's not me stuttering. Uh-huh. Get, get comfortable, friends. Extended remix, also known as the Purple Pump Mix. House style, also called the Urge Mix. Urge single edit, Urge dub, thrust mix, thrust edit, flute instrumental, also known as the thrust dub, the flute instrumental shorter version. Rosie's dub and this version, the damn near 10 minute version. And that doesn't include a handful of other mixes by Steve Silk Hurley that were in-house promo mixes that never were released, but are also circulating. So there have to be 20 plus released slash official versions, mixes, takes, rethinking, imagining of this song. You know what that tells me? That I never need to feel bad about liking the song so much because if Prince made that many versions that got released, he liked it a lot too. I am sure you are correct. 
he at least authorized many of them and Mm -hmm. then recorded many of them himself as separate tracks. That doesn't even include many of the songs released on the maxi single that are based on Get Off, that are basically just new lyrics and some rap and other stuff placed on top of the music. Mm -hmm. Who boy. Okay, so at the beginning of the track, we get the little telltale scream. Ah, Uh Uh Okay. I've always thought it was Prince. Did you really? I read in the little book that Steve Noonan said it is a pitched sample of Rosie Gaines. Correct. Which I did not realize. I always thought it was Rosie Gaines because I heard like the raspiness in Mm -hmm. the voice. You compare that to Prince's vocalizing that comes right after that. That's, uh, Uh you know, yeah, and it's it's noticeably there. Aren't you glad you downloaded this podcast? (laughs) Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) Yeah, between that, okay, Rosie's scream. Uh I didn't really know that it was Rosie at first because I hadn't seen or thought of her since her little appearance on New Power Generation. The Uh vocal icing as she was given credit for. But I also had never heard drums like this in a Prince song. How raw and so metallic and grunge-y. It's not like rock music, but it does have a gr- like a garage feel to the drums. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you to listen again to the official Prince podcast. They talk about the effects put on Michael Bland's percussion here and how it was achieved and what it was and uh, some cool stories about how that all came to be. Like, I never thought about that. I'm just hearing, you know, and Mm-mm. that's the drum sound. Well, I mean, right. it took an awful lot. To, to get, get it that. there mm-hmm. that you don't really think about. Um, I certainly didn't know who was yelling at the beginning. I also had never heard such dirty sounding guitars in They're a Prince so song. Growly and grungy. Oh, I'm like, this is what you think electric guitars are. And Prince had always like put this polish on them. And sometimes had them more buried in the mix, gave them more of a backseat than you might expect. Maybe with the exception of his guitar sound during Purple Rain, you know, sure. was kind of a more rock yeah. guitar. But this like amped that up another level mm-hmm. too. There's also these like interesting little percussion like sticks. I'm gonna put this in a way so it's not to offend or unnerve. Yeah, like a clicking kind of thing uh-huh. happening in the left channel. Uh-huh. Sounds like yeah. big sticks. It's it's like a giant that... version of those chimes. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a big stick, sometimes you don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, big sticks. I was thinking of like the elementary school music instruments that you're easy to play, yeah. but like a giant version of those. Right. So that's going on. That's one of those like little musical parts that once you hear it, it can become a little mental obsession for you. So Uh I would say, I mean, try to pick it out and then move away from it because (laughs) if you don't, it can, 
distract you from everything else. It can distract you from everything else that's going on. And it's very, it's made a little louder, I think, in the version. That's the remixing, the remastering that's that's heard here. I also was struck by, here's the song. It is like a hip-hop kind of thing. Spoken word certainly has some rap in it. And what makes it even more amazing as a song to me is that like it's a one note delivery of Prince's opening and his question and, you know, how can I put this in a way so as not to offend or unnerve? How can I put this in a way so as not to offend or unnerve? There's a rumor going all around that you ain't been It's like you could do that in a single note. Mm-hmm. and be singing the song. Yeah. Which I can't think of many other Prince songs that you could say that about. Like, oh, you're not even singing it. You're just saying it. No, I'm singing it the way... I'm saying it the way he's saying it, and it sounds like how he's saying it because he's sort of singing it. Uh-huh. And he's saying it when he does it. <laughs> you don't know we know they know. <laughs> That's right. Know. Yes. I mean, did I expect to hear him doing this somewhat offensive song, <laughs> but asking up front, how can I put this... Uh-huh. How can I say it so I don't offend you? Uh-huh. And then he'll go on for nine minutes and 36 seconds, probably uh-huh. offending you. Uh, I don't find it offensive. Me either. No, I'm just <laughs> saying. But if, if he's asking you that question uh-huh. and you're taking it seriously, then you're probably not going to be pleased with the rest of how the that's song fair. goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what makes it so coy and so Prince-like. I'm going to ask you a question I know the answer to, and I'm going to keep doing my thing. Mm-hmm. That's what this song's all about. Yes. I would say Tony M's best performance for me is right here. Mm, the uh... <laughs> 23 positions in a one night stand. <laughs> on the call you after if I say it can. 23 positions in a one night stand. Get up. I'll only call you after if you say I can. He is definitely best with the laid back, smooth delivery. Yes. And I think what you're saying is that is like, this is the only song in this episode of the podcast where he is laid back and not trying to be a super hype man. Yeah. There are other moments he has on the album that I think are better than this. But I think also just the fact that Prince is featuring these other players, like he had given like TC Ellis had a, you know, a role in... Graffiti Bridge. He had a part in, you know, part two of New Power Generation, but they weren't, he wasn't a constant. He wasn't part of the band. He, I mean, he, Prince made room in this dirty song for a woman that he compared to Aretha Franklin and a dancer who he grew up with who liked to write raps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing when you think, like, he didn't have to give anyone a chance. He could have had anyone in his band that he wanted, and he had a mixture of, like, Rosie, who had aspirations and, like, made it clear, I don't want to be your backup singer. And Prince saying, with a voice like yours, you do whatever you want. Uh-huh. And then get, stepping aside and giving someone like Tony M a chance. Uh-huh. I would just really, like, when he was young, Prince really... uh I think he did it all himself as kind of a protective mechanism. He was also proving himself, but he really didn't want to have to rely on anybody. And, you know, that was very much what we saw in our For You coverage is Prince trying his best 
not to have to rely on anybody else. And here, I love that he's kind of letting that guard down a little bit. And now, of course, he'd done that long before this. He'd let other people do things. But this was, I don't know, this felt like a new era of that. Oh, like it sure, wasn't just everyone you get had, to... Everyone he had previously helped had been dismissed. Well, and yes, they'd been dismissed. But he also like... He got help from people because he couldn't do what they did or he didn't really let them contribute. He directed it so closely. And here it felt like these people had a little bit of a voice in what they were doing as well. I mean, Prince is like, okay, Tony M's going to rap. Now he may be here. He told them exactly what to say, but it felt more collaborative. Yeah, right? for sure. I think part of what the whole... And we're, we're coming off a deep dive into For You, so pardon the comparison between these two albums that aren't really related uh, and also are 13 years apart, which also seems like 30 years apart to yeah. me. They're so radically different. But yeah. Prince was also protecting himself from being influenced by people who wanted to pigeonhole him or pair him with a producer or say, you need this guy. Uh-huh. Prince wanted to be the one making that call. So yeah. the collaboration was okay as long as it was his idea. Mm. He didn't want to be assigned super fair help. There's an article on The Ringer about Get Off. And you can post the, post this on social media, Christy, I which sure you should uh, probably say how to find. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, The Mountains in the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or if you don't do the socials, we totally respect that. And you'd like a link to something that we're talking about, I'll be happy to send it to you. If you'll just shoot me an email, podcast at gmail.com. So The Ringer, which you'll post a link to this, it was from uh, 2023, actually. They wrote, Get Off begins with Prince singing, How Can I Put This in a Way So as Not to Offend or Unnerve? And then Prince informs a lady that he hears that the lady is engaging in unsatisfactory sexual relations, and Prince is therefore suggesting to the lady that she have sex with him instead. Uh Well, yes, that is what he's saying. But it was also that whole little bit. I was listening to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Him and Vanessa Bet. Yeah. You know, they're talking about it. And Vanessa is telling Prince about this conversation she had with her friend. And it was so hot that Prince and Vanessa got it on. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What she, she told me she then got me so wheels, hot you might that say. we could slide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, during the chorus... It hit me like at about a minute to pay attention to the background vocals that are laid down by Rosie Gaines. The ooh, uh-huh. ooh, ooh, ooh. yes. Get up. They're re. I mean, this song is another sample fest, but it's more of a sample fest of itself. Sure. Throughout, there are these key little parts that become like all over the place through all these mixes. And that's sort of the first one of them. 
I also just, I mean, I hate to look at Get Off and say, this is great songwriting. But <laughs> things like how, uh, you know, it's hard for me to say what's right when all I want to do is wrong. A confessional. It's hard for me to say what's right when all I want to do is wrong. Get off. Just a line like, let a woman be a woman and a man be a man. This is what we are made to do. Yeah. Let a woman be a woman and a man be a man. Get up. Well, and also, I mean, I know it was probably meant in a very heteronormative way, but you can almost kind of hear it as let a person be who be they are. Sure. You know, just like if you, if you're want to be a woman or you want to be a man, just let them be who they are. And I know he meant it in a very heteronormative way because that was the culture at the time. But looking at it now, you can almost kind of hear it as a very accepting sort of song. Just let people be who they are and don't worry about it. I ain't hurting nobody. That's right. Okay. But you, you jumped a little bit. I'm sorry. So we were talking about Vanessa Bett. Yes. And I had never thought to... Actually, I went back from there to the first chorus. You jumped ahead to verse two, Vanessa Bett. <laughs> so uh, I clocked the jizz from a friend of yours named Vanessa Bett. And I was like, I don't know what clock the jizz means. I'm going to look this up. I clocked the jizz from a friend of yours named Vanessa Bett. Bett. Evidently, it means to time it so that you have simultaneous orgasms. Right. Which I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was time. just gossiping. Oh, with like Vanessa. another, another, yes, like I heard a rumor from her. Uh huh. No, no. He was, the, this was like them talking about stuff so that they could get there together. Yeah, a yeah. friend of hers, a friend yeah. of the woman Prince is talking to. Uh-huh, whom he also wants to get with. Yeah. Because yep. she ain't been getting served. Correct. Yep. When he says, what she told me then got me so hot I knew we could slide. Uh-huh. What she told me then got me so hot I knew that we could slide. Get off. I actually thought it was the word hard, not hot, but that's also, oh. I think, like a Midwestern delivery of like what you were saying oh. about body and uh-huh. party and here uh, hot versus hard. Mm. But what convinced me that it's hot is you can hear Prince whispering in, I don't remember which channel, but hot. hot. Yeah, it happens underneath him delivering these lines also before you get a second piece of the chorus. So I there was a noteworthy change at just after two minutes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, right after another repeat of the opening cries from Prince, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So in Glam Slam 91, he says, Hey, little girly, what you drinking? Skip that. I was just thinking. Hey, little girly, what you drinking? Skip that. I was just thinking. You plus me. And here, lot. it's not a little cutie. I ain't drinking. One, two, three, no, little cutie, I ain't drinking. Let's go piss. Uh, cutie is still affectionate. Mm-hmm. It's affectionate without being diminutive. Okay. And yeah, he's a- sober and he wants her to know that he's sober and wants her. True. Which I think is like. I ain't drinking. Again, like he doesn't want to liquor her up 
in order to get her interested in him. Yep. He doesn't have to be drunk to be interested in her. He says, scope this. I was just thinking. I ain't drinking. Scope this. I was just thinking. You plus me. Rather than revealing that he doesn't care about what she's drinking. Skip that. Mm-hmm. He invites her to join his thought process. Okay. Scope this. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, this sounds like fluff. And it is fluff. And it's a fun, dirty sex song. But it's also really smartly written. I totally agree. Yeah. I hear I thought all you were going to say was, well, in Glam Slam 91, he says, skip that. I was just thinking. And here he changes it to scope this. I was just thinking. Uh-huh. But you went... Far further, oh. which is what I should <laughs> I've, I've come, I've to, come expect. to expect. Of course, <laughs> of course. The Tongue Click by Prince. I think I first kind of heard it and noticed it when he was on SNL in 1989 performing Electric Chair and he gave the, the Tongue Click. Uh-huh. You get one and get off also when he says, You plus me. What a ride at two minutes and 14 seconds. I was just thinking you plus me. What a ride. If you was and he's just like mastered the, the tongue click art and making it not like disgusting uh-huh. mouth sounds. Yes. And instead it's this, it's a part of percussion. Yeah. It's a little punctuation. That's yeah. very fun. We do get the Peter Paul's Almond Joy. I'm a talented boy. Mm-hmm. And the more I pay attention to the song, the dirtier it gets. I'm Mm -hmm. all veins. Oh, yeah. When I'm scoping that body rare. Baby girl, I'm all veins when I'm scoping that body rare. I'm I'm like, that's so dirty. (laughs) But you know exactly what he's talking about. But he doesn't have to say the word penis at all. No, he never does. No. There's not a... I guess there is a... Cover your ears, kids. There's a sh in this song, uh-huh. but that's not the four-letter word you expect to hear <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. And that's the one that makes it in. no underwear. Oh, right. should have known. Uh, yeah. right. I pulled your dress up. You ain't got no underwear on. I should have known. I should have known. Rosie Gaines has a great ooh yeah at two minutes and 41 seconds as he sings Everything About You Just Screams of a Real Sexy Affair. Everything about you just screams of a real sexy affair. Ooh yeah. And that's the way you walk the way. Uh, we get some finger snaps also at two minutes and 44. The nasty way you walk, the way you flip your hair. Yeah. And that's the way you walk, the way you... And all this is like, I can barely snap at the right time. He's got uh-huh. such control of his fingers and his mouth, which is probably why he was appealing to <laughs> Vanessa Bett uh-huh. and her friends. Uh-huh. When he delivers the betcha, I'm a pack of lunch and spend a while there. Uh-huh. And there's an O after that at two minutes and 56 seconds. It is an unexpected Chorus of multiple princes giving you the O oh, at two minutes and 56 seconds. That's glorious. Dudley, do no wrong tonight. If Nell just let him kick it. Dudley, do no wrong tonight. If Nell just let him kick it. So Dudley do writes a character from the children's cartoon. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends from 1959. And Nell 
was the girl he was in love with. And I'm like, he is thinking about children's cartoon characters doing it. For sure. Again, this is another one of those instances like, oh, Prince knows what a cheap candy bar is. Uh Oh, Prince watched cartoons as a kid and draws on those experiences to seduce ladies Uh in a like somewhat respectable way. (laughs) It is a weird kind. It's like, you know, would evolve into Prince like wanting to play Finding Nemo on repeat. And, you know, there's like this little child man inside of him that was acceptable to, you know, play out in mm-hmm. ways that were sometimes cute and ways that were sometimes very naughty. Mm-hmm. Super fair. I want to back up and I don't think that it's in Glam Slam 91, but in... This track, when he says, reminds me of something James used to say. Mm-hmm. You get an audio warning or indication that he is sampling songs because there are record pops uh-huh. at four minutes and eight seconds. And then the samples of the James Brown songs, which could be Mother Popcorn, a little bit of You've Got to Have a Mother for Me. But I just, it hit me there. I'm like, oh, he's telling us this isn't his and paying respect to James Brown Uh in the middle of this seduction hip hop extravaganza. Yep. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Mind me of something James used to say. I like him fat. I like him proud. It also hit me, and I've heard this forever, but at five minutes and 11 seconds, there are these voices that kind of skip around and turn morph into a saxophone. Yes. It's kind of gets a, almost a max headroom treatment. Yeah. Like it yep. like is one thing and becomes something else. Yes. But in this real staccato sort of yes. way. Totally. Totally, totally. It also reminded me a little bit of Love Sexy when... Cat's voice is rapping to Prince and she gets excited and her voice get reaches this frenzied peak falsetto and then the voice slows back down again and it's print and you're like, when did that turn back into Prince? Uh-huh. I don't wanna make love to you. I just wanna look at you. I just wanna listen to you. Uh-huh. Oh, pretty little widow. You got me dripping, dripping all over the floor. The floor. If I come back as a woman. It's sort of one of those moments again, which is just like, again, like the craft of putting this together. It's not just a bunch of dumb samples that are thrown together. It's done with a whole lot of time and care that is really admirable. There's this flute guitar combo and it's just like wicked, but it's also a little bit that middle eastern flavor that we'd hear really heavily in the love symbol album come on it's like you kind of hear a little bit of that starting here and i love when you can see those connections of like you heard things in for you era stuff yeah. mm-hmm. that wouldn't end up being released in some form with that kind of sound until the 1999 album and here you've got 
that little bit of, you know, he'd met Maite. He was kind of thinking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And here he is kind of incorporating it. And it's, you can hear the genesis of the Love Symbol album before... Yeah, that's what's fun about Diamond following Star. his whole career is like yeah. these sea changes and they there aren't there are dramatic shifts, but there are there are these gradients of trends that uh, travel across multiple albums uh-huh. that connect them. And part of it is uh, him changing his approach and exploring new things. And other parts of it are instances like a song like Blue Light that uh-huh. would show up on the Symbol album a year after diamonds and pearls was actually recorded the day after get off right so he had a song from his next album from two albums forward already in the can yeah that he held back and if you listen to those two you're like oh those really go together quite well they had them the drum effects are the same they do sound like here's a session we're going to record some songs and use what we have but because of the way they're curated and collected and tracked they take on a whole different sound right. and aura about them. You combine it with the visuals from the album that we'll get to, all that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, because that moment there where there's this guitar chorus and a flute solo flourish at five minutes and 53 seconds is when I remember thinking, who makes a dirty song like this full of these like new-sounding drums, bass, dirty guitars and then decides to pepper in a freaking flute. Uh-huh. When he's got like he's worked with Eric Leeds forever, sax guy, right? No. We're going to work in a flute. Uh-huh. And maybe there's something a little more sexual, uh phallic about a flute. I could see that being part of his thinking. <laughs> Did or he it's go to this... band camp? <laughs> maybe he went to one time with Eric Leeds in band camp. <laughs> maybe so, you know, or it's just like, oh, Eric can play the flute too. Let's try that. Something new. Like a saxophone in this song would have been stupid. Uh-huh. But a flute like brings it home somehow. Awesome decision. Yep. Cheers to Prince for it doesn't start getting repetitive until over eight minutes in. Yeah. In a, yeah, you're right. This is going to clubs. Mm-hmm. Repetitive is part of the thing that you have so that the DJ can do something with it. Yeah. Don't stop the groove, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's the right after the uh, Rosie and lots of scatting at yes. seven minutes and 29 seconds. And you get kind of drum breakdown, starts and stops, and pieces of things you've heard that kind of bring this thing to a close nine minutes and 30 some odd seconds later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I was just, I was, I was blown away when I heard that. Uh And then later on when I read, oh, the song that was supposed to be on Diamonds and Pearls is Horny Pony which we'll cover right here and now. That's right. And it got replaced with Get Off, and then I was like, well, I can't wait to hear this album to hear what like, what would it have been like had that song been there. Mm-hmm. And so I won't talk about that today because I didn't know that just yet. Right. But when the single for Get Off came out, uh, when it got a proper release on July 29th, 1991, 
I was there. Uh-huh. But I don't even remember how I knew that it would be in a record store. I don't know how I knew those things. Uh-huh. But I was there, and it came out on like a single uh-huh. with that yellow, like uh-huh. fabric flowing fabricy thing, and the purple hand scrawled. And I just thought this is so cool. Like it looks so. It had a dirty. Like feel to it, and of course I didn't know about Caligula at that time and what the video would look like. But that yellow kind of background just has the sexy nature to it too, and his own handwriting and uh-huh. drew himself on the which he hadn't seen since 1999. It was sort of a return to that, mm-hmm. and also like him saying in many interviews, "Aren't you guys tired of seeing my face on album covers?" So yeah. like doing something different, and I think. Him taking on, because he had notebooks upon notebooks of, you know, writing and scribbles, and he was a good sketch artist, and mm-hmm. there it was. It was yeah. like, it kind of matched the whole raw sound of Get Off with his little coy notes and a mirror message and all kinds of princey stuff. Yeah. It's just, it was just like, delightful mess. Heaping on the lore, yep. right? In the uh, NPG Music Club number seven. I remember. Included Horny Pony with an intro stating that it was about dancing and not an endorsement of premarital sex. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. I remember being so ticked when that, (laughs) when, like, I joined this club and paid a premium and you're going to send me a song with this tag on the front that I've owned on a single for a decade. Uh-huh. Uh, it just it didn't sit well with me. I didn't. I remember deleting it. I'm like, I don't need this. Forget it. Deleted. Okay. That's fine. It was played live at South American tour stops. Uh, long before its release, January of 1991 was when it first started getting played live. Right. It was a commercial for a new dance. This is the take one. Yeah. New dance commercial take one. Which kind of, I love that he didn't bother going back and changing that. Mm-hmm. Because if you just listen to the Diamonds and Pearls album, there is a track on it that's New dance commercial take two. And it should have followed Horny Pony and would have made like this cohesive thing. Oh, this is neat. They were kind of recorded in sequence and it makes sense. And he was like, nope, we're just going to swap them out. Mm-hmm. And Horny Pony is used in some of the call outs on Diamonds and Pearls where he runs through some no, of the track push, names. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I love that. it And it was purposefully crossed out in red. Um, so it was like he was, he wanted people to know that he had made this change. Yeah. Which cool. I think is another very, like, it, it does it really matter? Mm-hmm. N- no, but it does give you insight into like the process of putting an album together. If you know where to look. Yeah. Which is pretty fun. So I had this glorious single, which I know is floating around this house somewhere. Okay in a beaten up cardboard case and I played it to death. Awesome. Hey Josh, if yeah. it's just a dance, why would parents fear it? 
You mean the dance that every parent fears the most? Uh Well, I mean, if you believe Prince, it's because it's the sex dance. That's right. Which also... I'm like, like, sorry, 2001 Prince. You don't get to reframe this. Yes, you don't get to retcon your music. I mean, re-record it if you want to. It's the fun dance. Uh It's the new dance. Uh No, he specifically said it's a sex dance. Uh So it's a prelude to getting it on. That's right. Rocking from coast to coast, he says, talking about the horny pony. He had a small obsession with ponies. Yes. There were lots of ponies mm-hmm. in his music. Mentioned in Alphabet Street for the first time. Uh, we covered an unreleased track called My Pony from the Graffiti Bridge era. And there are other pony songs that I think Prince Vault does a good job of recounting for you if you just are wondering, what other animals (laughs) did Prince sing about and did Mm -hmm. he sing about more with ponies? You know what I really like about this song is that he's really willing to let a woman call him weird. Oh, yeah. He's just a really blatantly, like, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just really supporting the idea that, like, he enjoys this, and it because he enjoys this. If somebody else thinks he's a freak, it's fine. Yeah, as long as he's passionate and not hurting anybody, then it doesn't matter if somebody else thinks he's weird. That's why he said, "I'm your mama's favorite freak." Uh-huh. The sound of this too. So this is like song three of Diamonds and Pearls preview that I had heard. And they sort of have a similar sound to them, um, but it is sort of this spectrum along like a, a baseline of a sound. And this does have like a band sound to it. Sure. Um, and I also compare it often to Rock and Roll's Alive and It Lives in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. the B-side to Gold. Uh, I don't know if it's a color thing. Like in my head, I associate them the same because... Get Off was this kind of golden, fabric-y, flowing background, and the B-side to gold. Was right, but it had, like, the same type of glisteny production mm-hmm. between those two songs that sure. really struck me listening to it again. But, yes, throughout this song, he's got a woman, uh-huh. <laughs> an unnamed woman, who's uh, just piling on the commentary. She's not a fan. She's not a fan at all. No. <laughs> I, you know what I was not expecting? was an overt drug reference. It ain't enough to do some ecstasy. Especially since by this time he had had an experience with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it ain't enough just to do some ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. MDMA was developed in 1912, mm. but it didn't gain popularity as a recreational drug until the mid-1980s, which would have put that Right about the time that he probably tried it and yeah, made yeah. the Black Album. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or decided to scrap the Black Album. Uh, yes. Yeah. This was also, um, this is a hip hop trend too, but it's also the beginning of a trend of Prince using spelling as lyrics. Okay. At a minute, 14 seconds, H into the I into the P, hip. Agent to the I into the P. 
He does that throughout Diamonds and Pearls. We'll hear some of it also here in a couple minutes as we move through this, but it was just a an era of spelling out words was sort of like the, it was a trend mm-hmm. for sure. It's rocking every horny woman, every man. I guess saying every horny man would have been redundant in his eyes <laughs> like every man qualifies but only horny women <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe so maybe so mm-hmm. and band cues turn around chicken grease oh yeah chicken grease in the house And the female saying chicken grease. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a nice little piano part that it kind of reminds me of Party Man, where he played the piano upside down in the video at a minute and 45 seconds. There's just maybe a second or two of this little piano flourish that sounds like that. And then we get a little dance explanation. Basically, you step to the left, then you step to the right, put your hands in the air, and shake them. It's pretty simple. Yeah, I wasn't sure that it was a... I mean, you think of other songs like Housequake where you get specific instructions on what to do and when and what the count is. Here it's just like spread your legs, put your arms in the air. Uh huh. You're doing it. Yeah, it's just like whatever you want to do, just move yourself. Yeah. Um, one of the earlier times you hear like DJ record scratching on a Prince track happens at a minute and 53 seconds after he says, You can run all the way to Barcelona. Mm. And then his uh, very princely way of switching words around to say the horny pony get you gonna uh-huh. instead of gonna get you uh-huh. which is I think really playful and, and fun yeah the instructions that you mentioned don't come until like two minutes and 50 seconds yeah. into the song yeah I mean again silliness goofiness there's a morris day style laugh in the song at three minutes and 45 seconds that i kind of picture him opening his trench coat and looking down at his groin and laughing all right and then one more thing we're going to talk about you know three songs taking us well over an hour to talk about is not enough. We're also going to talk about the special. Don't Olympic put us show. down. Don't try to hold <laughs> us back. Yeah, this was next in the line. The lineage of the reveal of Diamonds and Pearls to me was seeing his performance at the Special Olympics opening ceremony. It was aired on ABC uh, on August 15th, 1991. So a couple months before the album was released, Mm -hmm. uh, we knew what the album was going to be called at this point. And then I didn't know at the time that it was pre-recorded. I don't even know if it like even said, yeah, 
been, you know, recorded from an earlier performance uh-huh. or whatever, but it occurred on July 20th, 1991. Yes, at the Minneapolis Metrodome. Yeah. 60,000 capacity venue, and that was the largest venue he had played up to that point in Minneapolis. Yeah, of course, because it was the largest venue in right. Minneapolis. Um, I remember that thing opening and the Vikings starting to play there, and it was like this weird inflated roof. Uh-huh. It's like a big balloon. And I was like, didn't it? It collapsed. And I was like, let me look this up. Well, yeah, it collapsed multiple times. Oh. Uh, which I didn't remember. The final time it happened was December of 2010. It collapsed from a extreme, extreme snowstorm. Snow. I but remember it had, that. It had happened four times before that. What? And the Vikings ended up playing their last game at the stadium on December 29th, 2013. It started to get demolished in January of 2014. So like three weeks later, mm-hmm. they were tearing the place down after an NFL game was played there. Uh, and then they built U.S. Bank Stadium, which is like this glorious glass cool triangular shaped building that apparently birds fly into and die (laughs) survival of the fittest survival of the fittest birds yeah (laughs) did you see that after prince passed away the special olympics shared a video of him performing this show that is included with diamonds and pearls super deluxe Mm mm-hmm and had a tweet that read, Prince came to, spe- to Special Olympics and made us the coolest party in the world. Oh, yeah, uh, I did Forever grateful yeah. from Tim Shriver, who was the chairman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, here is this event where he really could have very easily just done hits. And people would have been super happy with that. It would have been pretty easy but here he'd been working really hard on diamonds and pearls for an upcoming tour as was the usual he was way more interested in the new music than anything he'd done in the past he didn't really want to go back and do it so here he is playing this new thing yeah opens with the new thing i think he was smart enough to know well I can give people a taste of this new stuff, but I need to draw them back in with something they're familiar with. And he was smart with song choices um, to make it like, I think could have been a special Olympics anthem. You know, all Mm -hmm. I can do is offer you my love. overcoming a disability of course these were athletes but it was more what they contributed also was emotions and Mm -hmm. big picture thinking and learning how to overcome to lead an inspirational life and diamonds and pearls sort of sounded like a soundtrack to that Mm -hmm. in a way to me tommy barbarella is interviewed both in the super deluxe book and on the podcast for the making of diamonds and pearls and he talks about when the song was recorded initially just recorded without rosie Gaines there prince asked uh sunny tommy michael bland to stick around for a while they weren't in the band yet uh-huh. but asked them to stick around he had a song they wanted to record and tommy barbarella said it took a few hours and we were done i didn't know what it was and he said I thought it was a Christmas song. I had no idea what this was. And there are parts of it, right? With the little, there's a uh, tambourine and some bells. 
rules and I can sort I never thought of it that way, but I thought that was like from a young guy who didn't know what was going on and was just like, don't screw up, don't screw up. And to walk away and think, well, maybe that was just a Christmas song. And he said that he played that song later at a club, either that the next night or the next week, something is like, it's wild to think that we sat and played this song we'd recorded with Prince. We didn't know what it was. And it was from an album he was going to release like a year later. Uh-huh. And they, I'm sure they also didn't know, Oh, we'll be performing at the special Olympics opening ceremony mm-hmm. with Prince and he'll play the song. Yep. Yeah. This is where his relationship with Kirstie Alley kind of started. Also, she was the MC welcomed the athletes. And to the music, Prince and the new power generation. Uh, she was at the height of her run of cheers at this point. Yes. I had to look that up. I'm like, when was when was Kirstie's Alley Kirstie Alley on Cheers? It was 87 through 93. So she was right in the heart of that in 1991. Mm-hmm. Prince introduced himself and his father to Kirstie Alley. He would just like walked up to her and introduced himself and from what I understand, they had a pretty like sweet relationship with one another, just like very platonic, mm-hmm. just strange for Prince. But <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know that they had visited each other, not only at Paisley Park, but that he had visited her on the set of Cheers mm-hmm. also, which you don't see many pictures of that. So no. that's that's very, very cool. There's a story of how Kirstie Alley and Prince became friends that was posted that I'll send your way that you can share. Man, those opening strains of diamonds and pearls weren't ubiquitous yet. Like you hear that yeah. and you're like, it would have been like, what is this? Are they warming up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like a, a tuning session. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And man, he's wearing that, fabulous purple and yellow suit. Oh yeah. Like that purple suit with the yellow shirt that should look too feminine, but doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, it was the most purple that I had seen him in since like purple rain. It was probably uh-huh. more purple than purple rain, mm-hmm. even though this is known as the yellow era for Prince because he had the cloud guitar painting painted yellow. Uh-huh. Yellow was like the accent color, but it was so screaming. You know, he had black suits and a yellow guitar, or purple suits and a yellow guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So very, very different. This was the first time I had seen him in the diamonds and pearls era. Also, uh-huh. like yeah, with his new tall hair, do and yeah, that defies gravity. It yeah. is incredible. Oh yeah, and you see the band. And I'm like, oh, there's. I know Michael Bland because he had been Graffiti Bridge a little bit, and in the SNL 1989 performance, and his big old tall hat, and the Game Boys are there in their like matching but colorful you know that 1980s mm-hmm. almost like french fresh prince of bel-air type look it was very much the cusp of the what would come in the kind of r&b area as far as fashion would mm-hmm. go in the 90s yeah. and what had been in the 80s yep. like you always sort of think oh it's delineated 
Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's another not, gradient it's just rate. like, exactly. It's yeah. an, another gradient. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent way to put it. He had the most squared off shoulder pads that you'll ever want to see, too. I mean, there are like illustrations of Prince in his wardrobe mm-hmm. in the Diamonds and Pearls book. And it's almost like an upside down triangle, an inverted pyramid. And mm-hmm. that's what he looks like. Like his shoulders are so wide and he's such a svelte human being that he almost looked top heavy mm-hmm. between the shoulders and the giant hair and even beard on his face. Yep. You know, but ultra tailored, of yes. course. Rosie's playing her keys and contributing a ton vocally. It's delightful. I didn't realize she was two years younger than Prince. Oh, I don't. That up. I don't know that I ever thought about her age. So <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so I guess that means I agree. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah, and then we see Prince with that yellow guitar that you just mentioned. Yeah, and you also see quite a wireless pack on his guitar, mm-hmm. on the back of the guitar strap that, you know, of course is like, you know, 1991 technology. Mm-hmm. And that there's where you hear more of the spelling part also. Rosie is singing D to the I to the A to the M, O to the N to the D to the Pearls of Love. Spelling trend plays yep. out here in front of Special Olympic athletes. That's right. I love how Prince interrupts himself with guitar. Oh, it's yeah. It's just hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. This is a new song, but it's also the only song that he plays an instrument on. Right. You know, leads with a guitar. So you do get a guitar, a Purple Rain ish guitar solo in a new song that no one there had probably ever heard before. As the song is winding down, I went back and watched this a number of times. Prince reaches into his pocket, his right pocket, and pulls out a guitar pick for that solo. And I'm like... Now we know why he had pockets, first of all, because he didn't carry a wallet or keys. (laughs) It was, of course, so that he could hide props. Uh Uh-huh. That makes perfect sense to me. Oh, yeah. Prince sheds his purple jacket, centers himself to deliver a well-known opening, Dearly Beloved. Let's go crazy, but that's all we get. Dearly Beloved, we are gathered here today to get to this thing called life. That is all we get. People think you're getting Let's Go Crazy, uh-huh. but you, no one gets upset when he changes directions oh. and does the, oh, yeah, call he, and the response. Yeah, the call and response is so great. It's really great, and people are having a good time. On the one. Oh. 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 Uh, he loses that vest, like shakes himself out of the vest, uh-huh. uh, does the, like the, he was like a master of the splits. To me, yeah. like Diamonds and Pearls is like him at his most muscular and lightest. Like he had so much muscle and so much power and so much flexibility. He looked like a little pixie. Uh-huh. He was a split zenith. Ooh, That's where he was. Split zenith. Ooh, nice. Yeah. He was a he was a sprite. 
such control of the microphone stand as he dances and it almost floats around him like he knows how it's weighted at the bottom and it's like he it's almost like how Steve Park described photographing Prince without a guitar he didn't have to hold the guitar he knew exactly the shape the dimensions where to put his hands and that was the same with a microphone stand too uh-huh. very much so that's awesome the Game Boys get their tambourine moment. So he like they're dancing, right? But he also like does a breakdown. Tony, Dan, and Kirk. And they do this whole little tambourine breakdown mm-hmm. part. Um, so they get introduced as, you know, actual like percussionists and musicians in addition to just the boy fluff dancers that yeah. have been there for the first part of this. Before he even does that, he does these pumping splits Mm -hmm. that are just incredible. I'm like, no wonder he had hip problems, but that is pretty incredible to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He could, I mean, he just floated around the stage, essentially. And Uh, he can't hide his delight that the audience is clapping when he's doing they're doing the rapid claps yeah and, the double time uh, sure it's just it, they're participating and he is delighted yeah he definitely is enjoying the moment on yep. one of the biggest national stages in the u.s anyway that he had ever had it morphs then into, so he gives a little bit of a song, classic song that wasn't a hit, but certainly people knew it from Purple Rain. And it takes a turn into another new song. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's getting hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Prince is not going to tone down the sexy for the Special Olympics. No. He's not. By stripping more, you mean. That's right. Yeah. He is. He's going to undo his shirt because it's warm on that stage. It is. It was it was a dome with a balloon roof. <laughs> it was July too. Yes. Um, so I had no idea what they were singing at this point. Obviously, I'm like I've never heard this before. It must be new, and it is very rap centric. As yes. uh, Prince introduces Tony with the Tony, get on the mic. Yep. We get Tony's rap from Push, mm-hmm. which is fast. Yep. It is a little yelly, uh-huh. but I give I give it a pass almost because it is a hype party live thing. Sure. And Tony was kind of, it was his first shot on a big stage. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's Prince. He knows that rap super well. Oh, yeah. He's singing along. Yeah. Like he's got no mic in front of him. Yep. And he's still, he is enjoying it. He's rapping along. He's having a good time. And then they <laughs> they tell Prince to get on the mic, and he says, don't want to. Oh, yeah. And Fane's being, like, forced yeah. back onto the mic. Yeah. On the album version of Push, it's, you don't want me on the mic. And they say, <laughs> Prince, get on the mic. And that's so that's his little ad lib on the record version. Uh, yeah, here it's don't wanna. It's very, mm-hmm. uh, again, James Brown, little Richard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it comes right after he and Tony have a little Prince and Jerome style high five uh-huh. near the end of Tony's rap, like a handoff sort of happens there, uh, which is kind of a cute moment too. 
Prince feigns shyness, but then gets on the mic, and I'm like, oh, he's going to rap. And then he does this vocal things with the mic between his legs. <laughs> uh, that's also on the album version of Push, and he gives the Push rap. That's basically a rundown through the first eight or nine tracks of Diamonds and Pearls, mm-hmm. which is the first time he'd ever done that, which is very, very cool. So he ends, and one of my favorite parts of this that I did not remember was Prince getting up on an elevated area and playing Puppet Master. Over the three Game Boys, his, he's like got imaginary strings on his hands, and he knows what Tony, Damon, and Kirk are doing, uh-huh. and what order they're going to do it, when they're moving, and he's able to look like he's controlling their giant bodies compared to him uh-huh. with his puppeteer hands behind them as Rosie does her part of the rap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it is a live performance. Mm-hmm. So we have to get some thunder. Oh, yeah. At the end? Uh-huh. Well, that's how you know it's over. That's right. Right? Uh, yeah, so thunder, and then there's a little James Brown samples at the end as he and the Prince and the Game Boys kind of strut their way off yeah, the stage. And off. Yeah, make make it towards the end. That was the end of that performance. So there's more in the Super Deluxe Edition about the sound check for that performance that's much longer, but I wanted to keep this kind of just what I Cons- saw. Concise. Yeah. More than an hour and a half. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll say I know that it looks a little dated now, Ugh. like especially when I watch it, yeah. but, you know, like the rap and the new Jack Swing stuff that Prince borrowed from, but I also think it's important to remember that he disguised it in plain sight because he borrowed musical and fashion ideas all throughout his 80s peak, too. I mean, he was compared to James Brown and Jimi Hendrix and Little Richard, and he had just found new inspiration and new things and was working it into his post-Graffiti Bridge. To me, that was like the kickoff of the 90s, was that period like between Graffiti Bridge and when Diamonds and Pearls launched. This little era that we talked about here is like the beginning of 90s music to me yes. for Prince. I agree. All right. Well, shall we make some selections here real quick? Might as well, Christy. That's right. All right. So we choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time period at which the material was recorded or released or performed, whatever. The sea, the low point, the thing that we like the least, and then the mountain, the high point. These are my rules. So I go first, the time capsule... For me, uh, easily the outfits worn at the Special Olympic show because they were this holdover from the 80s, but the 90s were starting to bloom and it was, like you said, this gradient. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Prince's hair is like a really great way to to date things. (laughs) Yes, you can carbon date music Uh Uh by Prince based on his hair. You can which is pretty amazing to have that many different hairstyles throughout a forty year career. Uh my time capsule, guess what? It's the Typhoon Dew. 
I mean, it was the first time that I'd seen like Prince do like the super long hair, but it was short on the sides, a little mullet party a little bit in the Uh back, but not like redneck mullet party. And I actually wish that the typhoon had lasted a little longer than it did. Uh, By the time, you know, 92 and the Symbol album rolled around, it started to get growing out a little more and it was a little unruly and, you know, it's hair, whatever. Uh But like the wild but polished look of the tight typhoon do even when it came to the do-rag that Prince had put on. The do-rag was so awesome. I mean, and he would, you know, make the do-rag part of a Super Bowl performance, you know, Mm -hmm. in 2008. So, yeah, the start of the typhoon do was uh, my time capsule during this period for sure. Woohoo. All right. Woohoo. The low point uh, for me, it was really that Prince's charity work went unrecognized because he did a ton of charity work. He had, you know, no issue whatsoever being a part of the Special Olympics uh, opening ceremonies. This was a charitable thing that he did. And I know he didn't want to be lauded for it, that that was just kind of the community help. He didn't want it to be about him, but if it had been a little bit more about him, it would have just brought more awareness to the organizations and types of things he was supporting. Yeah. So I, if I have to choose a time capsule from these four things that we <laughs> talked about, yeah. I'm going to say it's that we didn't know about his. Fair enough. I think if you, you know, like we talked about him during the for you period, don't put an anchor around my neck by putting someone in here to produce me. Right. I want to be about me. But when it came to the charity stuff, he wanted to be a part of it. But, and of course he was a man with a lot of confidence and bravado, but he didn't want it to be about him. Right. And I totally respect that, but I, I can see the other side of it too. Yeah. And you know, it's yeah. nice to hear these stories after he passed away, yeah. but it's also nice to hear other people say nice things about you. It is. <laughs> yes. It you is. know. What's uh, your C? C for me, again, it's hard because I enjoyed all of this. It was super exciting for me and like reliving it in the last couple of weeks to visit it all made me think of all this. Wow. It's like one of the most excited times I'd been about Prince music like in my whole life. So the, the C to me was that there was so much new sound coming out of Prince, like stuff we'd never heard before, styles we hadn't heard before, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, it was new to him. But there was a long time dwelling on that new sound. This was almost like an eight-month, nine-month period that, actually going back even further than that, there was Get Off with One T, there was Glam Slam 91, there was Get Off with Two T's, there was Horny Pony, and they all kind of lived in the same musical and lyrical universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though there was all this other diverse music, you know, about to come revisiting it now made me like seeing it from a bird's eye view that, Oh, there's a lot of like threads throughout all this that are very, very common. Okay. All right. To the mountain, the mountain, as much as I love get off and you know, I love get off. Um, there's nothing quite so magical as Prince performing live. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the incredible 12 minute Special Olympics opening ceremony performance is just, that's my mountain. Yeah. I mean, even when he did the Super Bowl show 
Yeah. Colts versus Bears, pouring down rain in Miami. That was like a huge spectacle. But I don't think anyone ever looked back to like he had. It wasn't his first Olympics. I mean, his first like big stage thing with the. I mean, the Special Olympics is a big deal. So I agree with you. Special Olympics, doing good in his hometown, the kismet of all the timing. Like Prince had no planning of all. We should bring the Special Olympics to Minneapolis for when I'm about to release my new music. But just it all lined up so well together, and the amount of joy he had on stage. It was also pretty family-friendly Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, it was totally, he was well-behaved, but it didn't stop him from being a little coy. And, you know, you got a lot of those kind of looks at the camera and uh-huh. sexy splits and all that kind of stuff. And all that versatility in contrast to the get-off craze, which is like the complete opposite persona of that, was really like the variety is sort of my mountain, but it sort of peaked, you know, for the Special Olympics performance. Awesome. All right, next time. Who boy. All right, we just covered all of it, didn't we? The whole thing. We're done. One episode? No? No. Okay, how about this? Next up, next in line chronologically was the Get Off video that aired for the first time on August 12th, 1991. And the Get Off maxi single that was released on August 13th, 1991. So I was like glued to MTV to watch this video premiere. And I knew, and I have no idea how I knew that I was going to use my lunch hour to not eat, but I was going to drive to sunset records in Corpus Christi, Texas and buy the maxi single for get off. I had no idea it was going to be on it. I knew it was coming out. So I went and got it. And we'll get to listen to it here. Unfortunately, the entire Get Off Maxi Single U.S. release is not included in Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe Edition. It's Super-ish Deluxe. (laughs) So we're going to cover all seven tracks next time. Excellent. I cannot wait. I hope you don't get sick of this. (laughs) I, If I'm not sick of Get Off already, then I never will be. Fair enough. Thanks so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we really appreciate it that you choose to spend some time with us talking about all of this for a long time. We really appreciate it. If you have a friend who maybe doesn't know as much about Prince or knows more about Prince than you do, whatever. We like everybody here invite him to listen because it's way more fun when you listen with a friend and until next time happy purple listening thanks for sticking with us